What's up, guys? This is Jordan from Them Evils, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 318 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, as always. And this week we've got another fun one because we've got Jordan Griffin, the front man for Them Evils. What do you think about that? Oh, it was great. It was yeah. a great conversation. Fun guy to talk to. Yeah, definitely. They're a newer band on the scene, and I know we've got a little story related to the podcast on how we kind of first heard their name, in a way. Right, or right, at least right. Not first heard the name, but you know what I mean. But we'll get into that in a minute. Got a couple other things to talk about. But first, we need to let you know who we're sponsored by. And we'll kick that off with Hella Hot Hot Sauce, because we just got in some new hot sauce from them. Boy, did we. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, has sent us a lot of the Florida Franks Florida Heat, which we're thankful for because we love Florida Frank and right. that stuff is great. But he also just sent us a, a big bottle of Garlic Death Grip, which is from Techno Destructo of Gore. So that should give you an idea on what you're dealing with here. I mean, if you're a vampire, you're fucked. <laughs> That's right. Straight fucked. Because a lot of things that are garlic, they're garlic flavored. Yep. Not hella hot hot sauce. There's just garlic. Like, you see the fucking Dude, garlic yeah. in this sauce. But but I got to tell you, though, this shit is super fucking good. Yes. And this comes from a guy that is, like, not good with hot sauce and stuff. Yeah. This is great shit. So, uh, you, you, you gave me a little bit of it. I'm going to go home and fuck up some tortilla chips with this thing. <laughs> you yeah. know? Garlic is one of my favorite things, so yeah, I'm super I mean, excited about yeah, this. Yeah, you can't go wrong with garlic ever. Yeah. And that's the great thing about Hell Hot Hot Sauce is they've got a bunch of different flavors and a lot of them are collaborations like that one, the Florida Frank one, Florida Frank's Florida Heat. And there's also one from Ghoul called Brain Jerk. We need to try that. Yeah. I mean, he's been on the podcast. That's right. Digester from Ghoul has been on here. We'll have to get a hold of some of that and let you know what we think of that. But in the meantime, you can take yourself to hellhothotsauce.com and order yourself some. They'll ship it anywhere. Or if you're on the West Coast, there are a lot of stores out there as well. They're based out of San Francisco. And they make small batch artisan hot sauces. And we've loved the ones we've got to try so far. So check them out online at Hella Hot Hot Sauce on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, their website is HellaHotHotSauce.com. Also, we've got DEB Concerts. They keep bringing kick-ass shows to Tulsa, Oklahoma and the surrounding area. Because they also booked the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma. And that announcement should be coming up very soon for Rocklahoma in September. But in the meantime, this June, they're bringing Brett Scallions of Fuel to the Ideal Ballroom, June 19th. That show will be opened by our good friends in Grind, who have been on this podcast multiple times. The very following Saturday, June 26th, Lita Ford will be returning to the, I almost said the podcast, and she has not been on this podcast, be returning to the Ideal Ballroom. Maybe she'll be on the podcast when she's here and you she'll know, fall in love know. with me. Who knows? <laughs> it could happen. But if that does not happen, I'm sure she'll put on, still put on a great show. Of course. That show will be opened by Straight Shot. And both those shows will be hosted by the one and only Eddie Trunk. And the Ideal Barm is an amazing venue. And of course, DB Concerts is an amazing promoter. Check them out at dbconcerts.com so you don't miss any. Upcoming announcements, or if they're going to reschedule any of the shows that got postponed from 2020, and we'll keep you updated as well. Sunset Tattoo, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Great tattoo shop in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. 
their mother approved. If you call up Jake or send him a message, you can schedule a time to get in there and talk about what work you need to have done. You can check out all his work online at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on Facebook and the same on Instagram. I've had a tattoo done by him recently, and I love it. We also know several other people that have done had tattoos done by Jake as well. He's a great guy, and of course he does great work. So give him a call and tell him you heard about him here. Finally, we've got Med Farm, dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They're directly off the highway, very easy to find. They've got a drive-thru, so if you call ahead, text ahead, or email ahead, they can have your order ready. You can get in and get out. You can check out their entire selection at leafly.com. They're always running specials online, so if you follow them on Facebook at MedFarm, P-H-A-R-M, or Instagram at MedFarmOK, you won't miss any of that. And also, one of their specials that's always running is if you mention our name, say Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. But what's even cooler than that is 30% of their proceeds all the time, not just like a gimmicky thing for a week or two. This is forever goes to building no-kill animal shelters. Can't beat that. That's a, about as good as it gets from a business. Most people don't give up a third of their profits for anything, let alone something like that. So hit up Med Farm and give them your business. And of course, tell them you heard about them here. Now that we got the, the sponsor stuff out here to you, <coughs> anything you want to talk about before we get into the Pantera bit here? Uh... I just threw that out without telling people we're going into Pantera a bit. But right, yeah. Well, I mean, we do what we want, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, I know. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Did you listen to that Buck Cherry song? I did. What do you What you think? Okay, I, I went into it with an open mind because you know my thoughts on Buck Cherry over the... Right, right. Post-Keith Nelson. Yeah. Even... Even before Keith Nelson left, the last album or so that he was on, I still just thought it was really kind of getting bland. Okay. But not as bad as I see. it I has see. gotten. But because I firmly believe that that man was the source of the greatness of that. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was great. Okay. It was just there kind of in the middle. The thing I loved about some of my favorite Buck Cherry songs from the first few albums is that not only are they catchy, but they also just sound like good old raw rock and roll. Right, right. And this just right. sounds like just any other song you hear on the radio. I I tend to agree with you a little bit. It is just kind of, um, it was just a little samey to me. And and I kind of gave him a little bit more leeway on the last record than you did. Yeah. Um, well, I, I remember the last record. I, liked I apologize. I, did, I can't yeah. remember what the, the name of that last record was. I can't either. <laughs> um, but I, I enjoyed it, I think, a little more than you. But this this song was a little bit more, you know, yeah. just middle of the road, too. So I'm just inter- interested to see what you thought. Yeah, I thought, I literally, because you told me what it was called, So Hot, and I thought, or did they remake the Kid Rock song? And then I saw it listed on Spotify, <laughs> and they even spelt it the same way with two T's and hot. I'm like, this has got to be a remake, and of course it wasn't. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there you go, Buck Cherry's releasing music with the same title as a Kid Rock song, and it's not anywhere near as good as the Kid Rock song, so that tells you that Buck Cherry's like slid down the hill. Well, they'll never be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think Josh Todd was going to be anyway. Right, true. I think I've tried before. 
Um, we could get Kevin, what's his last name? How do you say his last name? I don't know, but he's not in the band anymore, yeah. so it doesn't matter. So we could get him since he's not in the band now. Well, he was in American Pearl, which is awesome. And that's what we would talk so, about for yes, 15 minutes. Goddamn right it is. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know. I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but I, I, a lot of shit came out that we probably need to talk about, but fuck, you know, we've been so, you know, scattered and, yeah. you know, backed up with releases and stuff. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know if there's anything that's come out in the past few weeks that I've listened to enough to, like, talk intelligently about, except the, right. the new Cheap Trick album. See, I haven't listened to that one at all yet. Yeah. So We've also got the new End Machine, which you've listened to and I haven't. That's great. I think we're about to go listen to it here in a minute. Yeah, so maybe on the next episode we could get into that. I really like that one. Um, there's the new Gilby Clark album, which I've, Clark, I've I listened, listened to, to partially, but I haven't, like, delved into it the way I need to for... right. As much as I love that guy. Yeah. It seemed like there was something else in the past couple of weeks, but again. Dude, there was, yeah, there was a, a lot in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. But we've also had a lot of singles for stuff upcoming. I know there's several things coming out in May and June. Yeah. Well, yep. Exactly. Something else of note, just, well, by the time you hear this, in the past couple of days, bands are starting to re-announce tours. Yep. Seven Dust just announced their tour for, I believe it was like June, July, midsummer, And then also Primus announced the rescheduled dates for... I saw that. Their, a felt, not a tribute to Kings tour, where they're performing Rush's A Farewell to Kings in its entirety. Right, 30 se- is, 37 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm sure you'll get Primus songs. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get a set of Primus and... But that's just, if, I know we talked about this when this was announced like a year and a half ago, originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if there's any, anyone out there that could do that and do it justice, it's Primus. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know definitely. that, you know that they're probably going to stay close to the, this, obviously it's a tribute, they're going to stay close to the sound, but it's like, even if they did it in their own style, it would be fucking phenomenal. Right. Well, they, well, there's a, um. There's only one band I'd probably want to hear do that, and it is Primus. Yeah, because it's so like... there you, you go. Yeah. And and it's a really cool lineup. They've got Wolfmother opening for them. They've also got The Sword on about half the dates. Right, Unfortunately, right. The Sword's not on the Oklahoma City date. But oh, I didn't even see an Oklahoma City date. Yeah, it's like mid-October sometime. Oh, okay. But that, yeah, that tour is pretty lengthy. It runs like, I think, August, September, October, something <laughs> like that. So right, right. check that out if you're a fan of Rush or Primus. If you're not, then... I don't know what the hell is wrong with you. The 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 there's two records that came out that I wanted to mention that okay. I was trying to think of a minute ago, but one of them was Dirty Honey. That was the glaringly obviously obvious one, which we already talked about. So never mind. Yeah. But there's this band called Capra. I don't know if you've heard of them. I've seen that name, but I yeah. Don't. Um, I know Rod Diaz has worn their shirt on like some of the streams he does. Oh, okay. But I heard them on Sirius Liquid Metal. They got a song called The Locust Preacher. Their new record's called In Transmission. It came out. It's out on all the things. And I listened to it. And it's just like this weird, dissonant, fucked up thing. Like, I don't know, kind of like a cross between like a I Hate God and Child Bite with female screaming. Oh, wow. <clears throat> um, and like two of the dudes have the, the ironic mullets. Um <laughs> But anyways, that it's just a cool record. It's kind of that stuff I like. It's like the real weird underground fucked up shit. And the songs are like, you know, 
a minute, a minute and fifty eight yeah. seconds long. It's really cool. Um, so check that out if you're, you know, if you dig that kind of stuff. Okay. So like I listened to that the other day at work, and then I went on this whole thing of like child bite and nails and you know shit like that all day long. Yeah. That's kind of what it sent me on. So so there you go. And a quick plug: child bite has been on this podcast twice, right? Or is it three yes, times? Yes, they twice. have. Yeah, we've had full band on here twice, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the, the vocalist, Sean, wasn't on here the second time. Second time he was yeah. running the merch table, so yeah. the other guys talked But to we us. still had, yeah, three of the four, and then the first time we had all four of them. But. So, definitely check out Child Bite if you're into, like, experimental noise, kind of, you know, heavy rock. Right, right. I actually, that just kind of jogged my memory as yesterday on my Spotify I was listening to one of those, you know, one of the generated playlists. Yes. Like Discover or whatever. Yeah. And I heard a band called Like Machines. Have you heard of that? Uh Uh-uh. I heard the one song, and then so I just, I pulled up their thing and looked at them, and I listened to three or four songs, and it's really, I can even know what to compare it to off the top of my head, but it's just kind of grungy metal that's, the singer's got an extremely unique voice that's the kind of voice that I imagine you're instantly going to either like or not like. Right, right. Um, it goes both ways, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's just, I'll pull it up later after we're done with this let you hear something. Gotcha. It's, it's gotcha. cool stuff, but maybe we could talk about that more in detail after I actually listen. But anyway, there's something else. But what we were going to jump into is that just a couple of days ago, Revolver released a video where, you know, one of their guys was interviewing Phil from Pantera. And of course, all the other great stuff Phil does, like the illegals and Super Joint. And, but in this clip, I assume it was a longer interview, but in this clip they released, it was just like two or three minutes long. He asked Phil to rank the Pantera albums in order. Right. Of, from his favorite, you know, in order. And, which, <clears throat> you know, it was a, I've heard that question asked to other, you know, musicians and stuff. And sometimes they'll answer it. Most of the time they just, cop off like you know that's like you know which is your favorite kid that kind of thing right which is a fair answer yeah yeah but you know phil answered it and put him in order and we were i was surprised and i I sent it to you and i know you were just because i was very surprised i mean we've always talked that we both assume the great southern trend kill is the phil album yeah yeah right (laughs) and then he had it like number four on his list of six because he included power metal the first album that he sang on in the you know in the six list okay well see it's like well we should say you know his list was what reinventing the steel it's number one uh far beyond driven yes uh vulgar uh trend kill and then cowboys from hell yeah and but i mean it is shocking but at the same time you know these are the motherfuckers that were on the record so they probably have a completely whole different view than all of us oh yeah so, I mean... And we're just basing our <clears throat> thoughts on that Trenkill as being that album, because when you hear some of those songs, they sound like yeah. what Phil kind of went on to do with Superjoint mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But right, right. his point when he was talking about reinventing the steel, he said that it was his... He said it was the hardest of the albums to sequence, because he thought every, the majority of the tracks could have been an opening track, which is a good point, you know? Yeah. And because, you know, whenever you hear vulgar display of power, I can't imagine 
even though there's songs on the album I like more than Mouth for War, I can't yeah. imagine any other song. Right. Same with Cowboys from Hell. There's it, no other song that can open that album. Exactly. Even though there's other songs that are fucking amazing. And it's and it's just like one of those things where, it, and he he also said, and any one of them could have ended that, the record too. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really cool, and that kind of helped me understand it a bit more. And again, that shows you where he's coming from. So I get it. So maybe he's saying that that's it, <clears throat> the most complete album, like right. where he likes every song from yeah, the beginning to end. It was just all all bangers in his book. Yeah. So your idea was like, well, let's do ours real quick. So yeah. So go. Okay. I'm making you go first. <laughs> well, my number one is, I mean, it might sound generic, but it's Vulgar Display of Power because that's literally one of my. It's the album that I was yeah introduced to him fully by, even though I knew knew who they were before that. And then that's still to this day one of my favorite albums of all time. It's probably, it might even be my second favorite metal album ever behind Master of Puppets. Yeah. And, but the thing I always struggled with forever is what number two is. And, but to me, it's still, it's a toss up between Cowboys from Hell and Far Beyond Driven. And I know most people kind of shift towards Far Beyond Driven because that's the Pantera that we know. You know, what Pan- Pantera at their epitome, right? their height. And, uh, but to me, Cowboys from Hell is just such an amazing album because it's like, you still got that, the tiniest, you know, hints of the melodic 80s sound. And yeah. you've still got that kind of thrash sound <clears throat> going through there. Right. You've got Phil not only doing what Phil does, but he's also hitting notes that like, nowadays that people hadn't heard that couldn't wouldn't imagine that he yeah. would hit notes like that right and, and yeah and it's just like it, it hit you know everyone always talks about you know the the end of domination how amazing that is and just like and then you know to the other stuff like cemetery gates they never even did anything like that again like that album's just so unique but then far beyond driven so amazing too but if i have to like put them in order i'm gonna say vulgar cowboys from hell far beyond driven basically in order from that point Great Southern Trend Kill, Reman and the Steel. Wow, okay. And I, I love, and see, that's the other caveat here, is that I love Great Southern Trend Kill and Reinventing the Steel more than most bands' best album. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've got the band tattooed on myself. That's how much I love that band. <laughs> so it's like, you could say, you you know, Great Southern Trend Kill is number one, and I would go, all right, cool. Right. You know, I'm I'm cool with that. You're good with I it. Because I fucking love it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, now you go. <laughs> well, Vulgar, of course, would be my first. I mean, and I don't need to explain why. <laughs> right. Um, and then, for me, it goes Vulgar, Far Beyond Driven. Um, and then I would go Reinventing the Steel. Okay. Um, and it's, I think, you know, a lot of people, it didn't do, it didn't seem to catch people the way their other stuff did when it came out. Yeah. But I really dug it. I don't know, it really hit me. Um, and, and it was a little bit more, they kind of, they kind of brightened it up coming off of Southern Trend Kill. I was great that they kind of, you know, they pepped it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, not so much heroin chic. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, but, but then after that would be Trend Kill and then Cowboys from Hell would be five for me only because it's like, it's a great record and Psycho Holiday is one of my favorite fucking songs of all time, but it, it, you know, it, it like you said a, a minute ago, it's still got a little bit of their 80s stuff, but they're coming into the thrash, and it just, you know, it wasn't what they became. Right. So, 
And I like what they became more than, you know, I like the band, what they became more than Cowboys from Hell, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So that would be, that would be on my list. Okay. But the riff, the opening riff of Cowboys from Hell is enough to say that this is one of the best albums of all time. Oh yeah, totally. It's fucking classic. It's (laughs) like that, those five records are better than some bands catalogs that have 20 or 30 records. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'd be here for another hour. I mean, shit. Yeah. I mean, it's it's rare that a band can have five consecutive albums that, right. you know, I mean, at least we and the majority of people that like them love them all almost equally, yeah. you know? And, yeah. you know, you're talking like the first several Black Sabbath albums or Zeppelin albums. It's yeah. like you can't name, or Metallica, you can't name many bands yeah. that it's that consistently great. It, yeah, exactly. It's like, um, and I think you could put Guns N' Roses up there too, um, with uh, like I don't know. You're that's probably different. You'd put Appetite as number one of, of all of them, but right. and it would be. But that's another band of like, you know, what their their four five records they have is better than, I mean, most shit any fucking where yeah. uh, of bands that have been around since forever. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Faith no more. Anyway. Right. Yes. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Off we go. But yeah, I mean, if you're happen to be a big Pantera fan, we actually have an episode. We have an, a thing we do called Every Album in a Row, where we talk about a band's entire discography in order. Just listen to it straight through and talk about it. And we did that with Pantera. So look that one up if you want to hear more about that kind of stuff. But yeah, let's get into them evils. So we talked to Jordan Griffin for a bit about what this band has going on. He's the front man, he's the vocalist and guitarist of this three-piece band out of California that is really, really good. And I'm really hoping that they kind of get to that next level, like the yeah, totally. the, the Dirty Honey, you know, Rival Sons kind of level yeah. where everybody knows them in the mainstream. Because I think they're they're getting there and they're doing it pretty quickly. They've, their first EP, I think, came out in 2017, around there. They've got a couple EPs, a lot of singles, and it's all good. Their most recent single was Pour Out Another One, and I'm not lying, that song is like, you know, I liked it when it, when I first heard it, but now I'm like, I listen to that song at least every day. Yeah. Like, that's how much I love it. It's that's just great. got this sludgy greatness to it, and really glad about that. And about a year and a half ago, or maybe it was like the summer of 2019, Don Jameson was on this podcast. And you went out there and interviewed him by yourself at the Canes Ballroom. Yes, you were out of town. When he was opening for Black Lives Society? Yes. Yeah. It was Zach. Yeah. Or Zach Sabbath? Or Zach no. Sabbath? Fuck, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Zach Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was Zach Sabbath. And that was one them evils was one of the bands, you know, one of our questions, like, what have you been listening to? What are you liking lately? That kind of question. And them evils was, he mentioned that name. Yeah. So there you go. And then I saw him a few months after that at Exit 111. Right. And that was of October of 2019. And that's the only time I've got to see him, but that was great. And so hopefully we'll see these guys soon enough. Of course. Once all this stuff starts kicking back into gear, like it seems to be slowly starting to do. Yep. But all right, let's get into this talk with Jordan Griffin of Them Evils.
chance to pour out another one recently. And obviously, yeah, the song kind of is, uh, explains itself lyrically, but why do you think this is like a perfect time to release this song kind of as we're looking towards the end of the pandemic? Well, definitely because everyone has been picking up the bottle a lot more, um, <laughs> especially us. <laughs> um, there wasn't much to do really during the pandemic except for drink. I mean, we were all out of work. So we thought, you know, why not uh, just release a song about drinking and having fun and going to the West Coast in California and just saying, fuck it and partying. And that's pretty much what Pour Out Another One's all really about. That's all it needs to be about, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, we wrote that song before the pandemic. Um, we didn't really expect any of this stuff to happen. So when the pandemic did happen, we were just like, you know what, this makes sense. Everyone's going to be drinking. Everyone needs like a party anthem song. Everyone kind of is just in this like this lull and shitty attitude and just negative energy because, you know, of what's been going on. And we felt like Pour Out Another One was just a good song to release and, you know, bring up, bring people's spirits up and get them to start partying again. It's a great song. And like musically, it even, it sounds a little bit different than like your guys, you know, previous couple EPs and even the two songs you released last year as well. Was that kind of an intentional, you know, kind of shift in the, the sound or is that just you kind of expanding what you guys are doing? No, we, with the other ones, we were just kind of, you know, we were wanted to write something more upbeat, up tempo. And then that one kind of just came together and it was like slow and sludgy. And it was always something we kind of wanted to write. We had never really had a song like that. So we were just like, let's just go with it. Let's see how it, you know, turns out. And then it turned turned out being one of like our favorite songs. Uh, we recorded it. and We were like, we got to release this. This is this is the one. When I saw I saw the the live video you guys released, that was I saw it was directed by by David, the drummer. Like, was that something he has experience with, or did he just give it a shot because you guys needed to make a video? <laughs> That's funny you said that. Um, <laughs> I mean, we all kind of did it. <laughs> directed that's funny no we just put we just put cameras you know we did it all ourselves we put cameras um we did a few different angles of of the take um and we just kind of picked the best shots and grouped it all together and you know came out pretty good but yeah i mean he, he he's the video guy usually so he um he he deals with that and he spent most of the time on the computer fucking splicing everything together and doing all the nonsense because that's what he likes to do. So we were just like, all right, you take over it, man. And it, it turned out killer. So kudos to David. Absolutely. Right. So, so there's been some singles released during the pandemic. I mean, are, are you going to continue this route or, or is there like an album in the works? Um, we're not really doing the album thing yet. We're kind of just sticking to the singles. You know, how that whole thing right now where, you know, if you least release an album, like no one's going to really listen to it. Um, and they're going to lose, you know, their attention. We're going to lose their attention. So we just, you know, keep them interested by releasing singles every month or so every two months. Um, so they're like, oh, you know, them evils released another song. Let's go check it out. Instead of releasing, you know, 10 songs at once and they listen to it a few times and then they just, you know, throw it in their center console in their car and never listen to it again. Right. So, yeah, the, the whole single approach is kind of the, the whole new jam that we're going with. Yeah. And, and there's no shows or touring yeah, so you can't promote it. So, ho ho but hopefully that's that's uh, coming to an end. Yeah, 
I, in California, it's I heard like June fifteenth is everything's going to go back to normal and completely open. Right. I'm sure there's going to be people that are still you know weary about going out. So I'd, I'd give it to you know the end of the summer. But yeah, June, July, August, you know September, October. Hopefully those are the those are the touring days when we can get back out on the road and start making money and playing in front of people. Right. Right. So so is is the the bulk of the writing is, is it you or is it a collective from the entire band or is it just kind of maybe both? Um, it de- definitely depends. In, most of our songs kind of start out with a riff. Um, you know, I'll write the riff. We'll go into the room. We'll kind of create the dynamics, you know, build the song. Um, sometimes we'll go into a writing session and one of the writers already has an idea or a riff or a top line. And we just kind of build the song around that. Um, but back in the day, we used to just, I used to just kind of write the song and we'd go in and put like, like a melody over it and put a top line. Now it's just kind of, it's different all the time. It'll start with the top line. It'll start with the chorus. It'll start with an intro riff or it'll start with like a, a cool verse idea. Um, so it's definitely, it's just, it's a lot different now. Well, with you being the, the guitarist and the vocalist, I mean, a bulk of the sound kind of comes from you. Does that, do the other two guys in the band like have a hand in riff ideas and melody ideas and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll go to them and they'll be like, yeah, that sounds like shit. And then they'll be like, you know, this might sound better. Let's play it like this. And you know, it's just, you know, that's what a band is, you know, it's everyone's teamwork together. You know, the songs, all of ours, it's not just mine, but you know, sometimes they'll come up with an idea and then that'll turn into a song. So just cause I play guitar and sing doesn't mean, you know, I'm doing the the most of the writing, but you know, it's just the band. We we just figure it out. I'd heard in another interview you say that you were considering bringing in a second guitarist. Is that something like if you do that? I mean, how open are you to just like letting them have free reign and writing or contributing ideas, that kind of thing? Oh yeah, I would love that. That'd be awesome. I would love to have like another shredder another like riff writer and someone that's good at writing songs that would just you know make the band even better but it's something we've all we were even just talking about it like 15 minutes ago um, <laughs> because a lot of our newer songs they have like layered guitar parts and solos and like intricate riffs that i can't really play and sing so we'll definitely need someone on the next tour do you guys have a decent amount of stuff written that hasn't been released or do you kind of just like release it oh, as yeah, you we- write it we probably have at least 40 songs sitting just, wow. you know, in the library right now. Um, we're working on a few. We're we're recording some right now, actually. We're just got to get the vocal melody set and some guitar solos down. Um, but we have at least four or five songs that we're ready to release. We just got to, you know, figure it out and do some music videos and see when the touring is going to happen and just plan accordingly. As time goes on and you guys start to you know, build more momentum and that kind of thing that at that point, do you think you'd probably put out an EP or you just foresee that happening if it happens? Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to do an EP. We're probably, we, we might, there's no, like, I don't know. There's no set in stone plan about that. We're just sticking with the, with the, the singles. Like I said, um, maybe if we release a few songs at once and we could just have that, you know, the complete album button, and all the songs kind of just fall on fall under one, you know, album or EP. That'll work. But for now, we're just doing the singles. Gotcha. Well, uh, you know, shifting gears a little bit, 
you guys, the sound gives you the opportunity to open for several different types of bands. Pretty reckless, Zach Sabbath. Uh, he is legend. Um, is is it hard to connect with different crowds, or, or have you found that pretty easy? No, we found that pretty easy. We kind of just go out there and give it our all. You know, we have a few beers. <clears throat> we go out there, we play our music, and we headbang, and we just fucking have a good time. And I think it catches on to people, regardless if they're friends or fans of our music or not. Or even like the genre, we still, you know, we still kind of catch the crowd. You know, I think they feel the energy. Like we're we're actually going up there and we're playing hard as we can, and we're having fun doing it. And I think they catch on to that and they love it, regardless. Like I said, if they're a fan of our music or not, they just you know they enjoy seeing us live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, it, you know, if you're keeping it organic and natural, it's it's gotta it's gotta connect over a few different types of audiences. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, you can't just be, you know, niched into one audience or one demographic. You got to reach out if you want to, like, you know, make new fans, you know, impress your old fans. You got to keep changing. You can't just keep playing the same shit over and over again because it gets old. And everyone's music taste changes, so you got to kind of adapt to that. Have you, you never dealt with any of those weird crowds where it's like those where you used to hear about, like, Slayer fans, like, flipping people off or turning their backs? <laughs> No, I mean, we've had a few crowds. <clears throat> like, if you go to, like, Nashville, they're so used to seeing great bands and amazing musicians that they're kind of spoiled. So sometimes they're, like, stiff. Even in L.A., you'll see that. Um, they're just either they're you're better than them and they just don't want to admit it and get into your music, um, or they just really don't like you. So sometimes they're stiff, but, you know, we just we still go out there and do our thing, and you don't like us, fuck off. <laughs> right on. <laughs> <laughs> when I noticed you guys were doing the on Instagram, you guys were doing that weekly live thing where you would like talk to the fans and everything. Like, what was that experience like? Connect with fans on a weekly basis like that? Yeah, we did like a happy hour thing. So we'd go on there, like two of us would go on Instagram live, and we would just get shit house, <laughs> and we would just drink with the fans, and they'd you know they'd like dare us to do shit like take shots or shotgun a beer or butt chug a beer. Or, you know, get naked, show us your balls, like rub your nipples, <laughs> stupid shit like that. And it was a blast, you know, because we got to, there was no touring. So they got to hang out with us, you know, virtually on Instagram and they just saw us partying and having a good time. And I think that's a good way to connect with the fans for sure. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think that the, the downtime of no touring affected your guys' momentum or do you think stuff like that, that you just talked about on social media kind of, helped everything kind of keep going as it was with putting out singles and connecting via Instagram live and that kind of stuff. Um, it, you know, it affected the momentum a little bit, but doing the Instagram thing definitely, you know, kept us afloat because that was the only way, the only, you know, outlet we had was online to do like live stream shows or the happy hour things with the fans or a little acoustic set in the studio. So you know, thank God for that, because if it didn't, if we didn't have, you know, Instagram or any social media, I think we would have just, any band would have been fucked during this time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's hard to imagine like, yeah, if this had happened in like 1991, like what, what those bands would have done. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They would have, it would, the whole music industry would have shut off, you know, it just, everything went virtual. Yeah. yeah. There, there's nothing good about a pandemic, but I guess at least we had the internet. <laughs> Yeah, right? At least. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of bands were doing the um, 
you know, the live streaming things, like even bands were playing at the forum and streaming that show. And like, that's badass. And they were selling out, you know, they were selling a lot of tickets and a lot of streams and, you know, bands were still making a killing selling, you know, masks and shirts um, that had something to do with the pandemic. And, you know, a lot of them adapted, you know, it's hard to do, but it's, it's possible. And a lot of bands, you know, made a killing doing it. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you follow clutch or not, but did you like ever see any of those videos of like them? Like, you know, when they did their, their live streams and then they release them on vinyl and then they would sell those things out in like an hour and they had like stacks of them, like hundreds of vinyls that they would sell out on these every single show. I didn't see that. No. Pretty impressive. I know that sounds like a killer idea though. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Every, everyone's just doing what they can during, you know, this crazy ass time. Cliche as that sounds now a year later. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you just got to adapt. You got to find a way to connect with the fans and the audience and, you know, make more fans and release songs, put it on Spotify, put it on YouTube, do acoustic shows, go live, you know, do the whole Twitch thing, the whole, you know, Patreon thing. You just got to do everything you can. Only fans even shit. I do only fans for the band. If I, if it made us, you know, got us more streams. <laughs> yeah. um, Trent would definitely yeah. subscribe. He would. <laughs> right. We, <laughs> you know, but, but we got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It's rock and roll, baby. Well, you know, speaking of the whole pandemic, like besides getting shit faced, like how did you spend your personal time over this past year? Um, I did a lot of guitar playing. I did a lot of traveling. I did a lot of family time. Um, I hung out with my fiance a lot. We went to Vegas, you know, we went to Utah to see my family. Um, and we just kind of hung out with, you know, the people we loved and just got to like catch up on all the times that we missed out because we've been so busy working and, you know, you know, we were caught up in touring six to seven months out of the year. And I didn't really realize how much I didn't see my family. So when I got to actually spend time with them, I was like, Whoa, this is so awesome because I've been, you know, I've been in California doing the whole music thing for eight years. And I'd see my family like once every four or five months. And then I got to see them for like months at a time. And I was like, this is so awesome. This is so rad. And I, I, I fucking loved it. Yeah. I've heard that from other people. It's kind of like the silver lining through the whole thing is like just getting to reconnect with people that you normally wouldn't get to because of, just life in general, your job or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Like I saw a lot of my high school buddies, like my, my tight niche group of friends that I grew up with, you know, I, I never really saw them because they're all, you know, professionals doing their own things, have families. And then during the pandemic, some of them were unemployed as well. So, you know, we, I would just be like, Hey, I'm coming to Vegas. And we'd all meet and hang out, and go out and drink and, or drink at one of their homes and just, you know, shoot the shit and catch up and reminisce. And it was a badass time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of California, like out of Huntington Beach, is there is there a rock, a rock scene there at all? Or is it just kind of like, or is that something you even pay attention to? There's a few local bands out here that kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's Big Monster, Robert John and the Wreck, um, My Ruka, you know, even the guys in like Of Limbo and Joyce Wolf are out here. Um, they're all like Orange County, L.A. guys. Um, but yeah, there's still, there's a lot of rock going on, you know, and people are, people are catching on to it and, you know, there's live shows, they might not be big, you know, international bands, but they're well known locally and they kick ass and they, you know, make really good fucking music. Excuse me, outside of stuff like that, like what have you, 
been listening to in recent times just on a personal level? Um, I've been listening to a lot of Stone Temple Pilots, the core album. Um, Royal Blood, for sure. A lot of Slayer and Pantera and Metallica. Like, I used to listen to that shit when I was in high school. I grew up listening to it, and for some reason, I'm just, like, reconnecting with all the metal shit that I used to listen to. And it's, I'm just practicing a lot of the, the fast guitar riffs, and I'm I'm just loving it. Yeah, I saw some of your, your Instagram stuff. You do the you know, like the Monday riffs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I try to do, like learn a Pantera riff or a, you know, Pantera solo, like Dimebag is the best guitar ever. Randy Rhodes too. So right, right. you gotta, you know, you gotta learn their genus to create your own almost. So learning their shit just like, gets the chops up. I saw a thing today. There's a link uh, to a story where you can, if you want, you can buy Kirk Hammett's guitar that he used in the one video for $30,000. So if if you guys Holy shit. <laughs> if you guys got thirty thousand dollars lying around, <laughs> you know, if I had thirty thousand dollars, I would definitely buy that. <laughs> right, right. I get that. I For sure. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it the white squire or the white Fender Strat? Yeah, it was like the Fender. I can't even. Was it the Strat or was it like an e- ESP? I'm but. You're exactly right. I know what, what you're talking about, what guitar. And I think that's what it was. Add the screenshot from it. So, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that video in quite some time. Right, right. But, fuck yeah, $30,000, I would for sure buy that. Oh, yeah, totally. Just lying around, I'd do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Who has $30,000 laying around these days? Exactly. In rock and roll band stuff, so. right. Except well, for, like, Metallica. <laughs> right. Yeah, buy their own guitar, send it to Cherry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Metallica, I know you're a fan. Both of us are big fans. I got a random question for you. What's your favorite two or three Metallica songs that came out after the Black Album? So anything from like Load till now? <laughs> oh, man. To be honest, I don't listen to much after Load or after the Black Album. I'm okay. one of those guys. I'm like a core Metallica fan. <laughs> That sounds shitty to say, but like I recently got into Load and Reload. They're great albums, but they just don't hit like, you know, Kill Em All or Ride the Lightning or right, Injustice. Right, right. Yeah. Totally. Especially Master. Master is the best metal album ever made. I uh, fully agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every note is like flawless and just like well thought out and planned, and the production is perfect. And the way like Kurt Hammett plays, like his solos. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just it's flawless. It's immaculate. Yeah, this this guy next to me, his favorite band's Metallica, and that's not even his favorite Metallica album. So <laughs> it's I'm calling you. Well, it's Kill 'Em All. Don't worry, it's nothing after Black Album. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kill 'Em All ripped. No remorse. Phantom Lord, man. Right. I right. love that album. Hits life. Every song is good on that on that record as well, and it was their first one. Right. Even uh, the Blitzkrieg and Am I Evil? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, they're great covers. You can't beat them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love Am I Evil. That's just like Metallica made that song theirs. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, we yeah. had a Rocklahoma here in Oklahoma is like our, like only like an hour from us. So we go every year. And Diamond had played a couple years ago. And was that was you that told me there was a guy sitting over there who said, Why are they playing this Metallica song? <laughs> and I had I had to stop and go, No, no, no. This is their song. And he, he argued yeah, with me. I, <laughs> and I was like, No. But, but yeah, so hopefully he went and Googled it and felt like an asshole. 
Yeah, he probably did, <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I would love to punch people like that in the fucking dick, dude. Yeah. I wanted to, man. Believe me, I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard a funny story that that guy, the singer from Diamond Head, he makes more royalties from that Metallica cover than anything in his discography ever. I'm, I'm sure. Well, he, he, they've said, like, yeah, Metallica bought us a house. He said, what, Metallica bought us out? Yeah, it's like they basically bought us a house with the royalties. <laughs> oh, a house. Yeah, house. Yeah. So Holy shit, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Man, I want my talk to cover one of my songs, dude. <laughs> yeah. So we should do we yeah, we should start that campaign. Or you get yeah. <laughs> you get testament to cover practice what you preach, followed by their practice what you preach. I know, right? <laughs> when we wrote that song, I was like, fuck, this is a testament song already, but, you know, let's roll with it and see how it works out. Well, speaking of your music, bringing it back around, what, like, do you have plans on a timetable for the next single? Um, Yeah, we were actually discussing that today. Um, probably within the next few weeks, maybe early May, end of April, um, we just have to figure out some, like, you know, music video stuff. Um, and that's pretty much it, you know, do a whole bunch of promo, come up with flyers and promotion and stuff like that and do all that. And then we'll pick a date, but yeah, definitely something in the next month. So is the, is the song already, you already have the song you're working on or do you know, I mean, do you know what the song is going to be? Oh no. Oh no. It's on, it's like online. It's ready. We just got to press, you know, distribute. Oh, gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. We recorded this song a while ago, about a year ago. Oh, okay. We, we've been sitting on a few. Well, I'm looking forward to touring starting back up so I can see you guys. I saw you once at the Exit 111 Festival, and that was great. So hopefully we can see you again down the line. Hell yeah, dude. That'd be awesome. We'd, we'd love to play uh, you know, Exit 111 again. That was in, not Nashville, but was yeah. it Knoxville? It was, uh, it was like south of Knoxville in some little town. Like, I forgot the name of the town. Yeah, that was yeah. That was one of our favorite festivals. Like Tyler Bryant played that and Cadillac Three. Yeah. Did ZZ Top play that? Yeah. Or no? Yeah, ZZ Top and Skinner yeah. and Cheap Trick and Slayer. Yep. That was a badass festival. That yeah. was definitely one of our favorites. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time with us today. Yeah, no worries, dude. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. There you go, Jordan Griffin of Them Evils. A huge thank you to Tom George of Tag Publicity for setting that one up. And of course, a big thank you to Jordan for taking some time out there to talk to us about everything the band's got going on. And of course, we even got some Metallica talk there. You have to talk about your favorite band. Which I always am yeah. excited about. We're like two episodes in a row because our episode last week was with Trevor Church of Haunt. And he talked quite a bit about Metallica right. as well. Right. And that was both the good side of Metallica and the bad side, according to him, at least. Because right. there's no bad side, according to you. Well, <laughs> well, well there's... there's uh, Except the, the studio version of All Within My Hands. Le- <laughs> right? Yeah. Le- there's least favorite sides. And that <laughs> that is definitely one of them. Yeah. That, that, literally, in, that literally goes under the category of songs I never want to hear in my life ever again. <laughs> But then you hear the S and M two version, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" And it, well, it's a completely different. Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah. who knows? I so don't. That goes to tell me that Metallica should do another symphony show where they play Saint Anger in its entirety, right? And then let's see what these songs sound like when they're reworked. <laughs> I don't know. 
you know, all within my hands is enough. Let's yeah. just skip over that whole. Yeah, you're right. That's it's a tough listen, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But but back to the subject at hand. Check out them Evils if you have not. Great band that's on the rise, and don't like to say if you're for fans of that kind of thing that they fit in with kind of the the newer wave of rock bands out there like Joyous Wolf and Dirty Honey and Rival Sons, that kind of vein, you know, of, of hard rock. So give these guys a a listen if you have not, and of course, tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. But in the meantime, if this is your first time listening, just mention Dirty Honey and Joyous Wolf. Members of both those bands have been on this podcast. We've also had members of, I'm trying to think of that kind of vein, you know, you're talking about like your rock radio stuff, like Saul, Shinedown, going way back, Saving Abel. But we've also had on a lot of great metal stuff, like Megadeth, Testament, Crowbar, Sons of Texas. We even had members of Kiss and Guns N' Roses and Def Leppard. So, dig through it all. TheThunderUnderground.com. You can see all our socials there. Follow us, like us. Wherever you're listening to this right now, subscribe to us so you don't miss any future episodes. We've got an episode coming up with Dusty Grant, who's been on here before. Has a lot of great music out. And then we've also got some other stuff, some, some other stuff in the works. But dig through it all. SoundCloud, Spotify. Pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. All right. I think that does it for another one. Huge thank you once again to Tag Publicity and Jordan Griffin of Them Evils, Med Farm, Sunset Tattoo, Hell Hot Hot Sauce, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.